This is the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk on every team in the NHL. Hey, babe. Hey, I need you, I need you to stir them red beans. They burning. No, no, no. I'm trying to record something real quick. Please, come on. Hold, all right, hold on, hold on. Shit, I gotta make this quick. Hey, y'all. Benders here with this week's THPN Spotlight. Can't get enough of Panarin's axe kick sellies? What about Savannah Jad's explosive five-goal night or the long reign of King Henrique? How about the anticipation about watching this year's top rookie, Alex Lafreniere? Well, Rangers fans, the Broadway Boys podcast is a choice for you. I'm James. And I'm Andy. And we host the Broadway Boys podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. Every Monday, we talk New York Rangers, news from around the league, and all aspects of the hockey lifestyle. It's never been a better time to be a Rangers fan, so tune in and join us as we break down games, prospects, rumors, and more as we follow the Blue Shirts on their quest towards the Stanley Cup. Our takes are all our own, and not always legally binding, but you're not going to want to miss all the guests, rants, speculation, and the occasional overreaction. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Broadway Boys Pod and catch new episodes every Monday morning on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and more. And this one will last a lifetime. So what are you waiting for? Subscribe, follow, and listen to the Broadway Boys Podcast today. And be sure to check out all the exciting content on the Hockey Podcast Network. Oh, baby! Hello. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm Corey, a.k.a. Bayou Vendors, alongside Mason Dixon, and this is Habs Nightly, your hub for Habs content. Hey, bud, how you doing this week, man? Um, I'm pretty good. How are you, buddy? I'm doing all right. Uh, I can't say the same for, you know, a lot of the coastline uh, residents down here took a big hit. Um, it wasn't as devastating as predicted, but uh, it was still a pretty impactful storm. And it's going to, you know, if anyone had read my tweets um, just moments before it hit, uh, I believe that was Thursday night or Wednesday night, something like that. Um, but yeah, we knew it was going to, um, when these storms come in like this, it's set back, it's set back, it sets back, Jesus, communities by, you know, like decades, depending on how devastating it is to the, you know, the landscape. Yeah. And I just want to start this, like my own spiel off here by saying that this episode is going to be a little bit of a deeper episode for Habs Nightly. Um, I did tweet out and I mentioned that we were going to be meeting with, um, Colin of Odd Man Rush and a host of the Euro podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network and hopefully talking about Matthias Norlander. Um, we had a bunch of stuff planned, but unfortunately I had some uh, family stuff come up and, uh, you know, this podcast is really important to me, but family, family's always got to come first and I was unable. So we missed, missed our meeting time and, you know, Colin lives out in the UK, so we weren't able to get a makeup time in time, but we're talking and we're probably going to meet next week for next episode. So I apologize for that. But um, on that note, um, I think there are some bigger issues going on and not just in the hockey world, but in, you know, Corey's own community with the hurricane that it's important to talk about that too. So we're going to have some stuff to talk about. Yeah. This week, um, just life in general uh, on your side, on my side, on the you know on the world side life just kind of got in the way and uh to a point to where you know we had hurricanes you had family you know matters and and you know the sports uh players they all just took a stand over the over this little week you know we are recording a day early this week mainly because we don't have any sadly any Habs games to watch but um you know this week has just been another like a refresher course of how you know, things still need to be updated. Things need to be changed in this world um, to the point where, like, players are even, you know, risking, you know, risking their 
comforts and lives and all that shit to, to stand up for what's important and what's right in this world. And, you know, uh, I think if they all do it, 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 it's one, it's a little bit more beneficial and then it doesn't, you, you might not see what happened to Colin Kaepernick happen again. You know, like that was one man who decided to stand out and he took the brunt of everything and it sadly ruined his career. You know, like he got blacklisted, but like, you can't do that to an entire, <laughs> you can't do that to an entire <laughs> league, you know, and four, I believe four leagues have, um, have done it. You know, you had the NBA, WNBA, MLB and the NHL. NHL was a day late, but you know what? They got it done. And uh, what I was excited uh, before we get into the, uh, Katrina, well, <laughs> Katrina, the Laura stuff, um, is that, you know, a lot of people were upset that, you know, it took them, it, it was a day late, but you know what? They got the message across and they were able to do the right thing. And then this is, this isn't a league like basketball, you know, or, or baseball. Like this is a hockey's a very, you know, like white, you know, the white race sadly is the, the majority. And um, I think that was one thing that I really enjoyed about it was the fact that, you know, of all these players that aren't really of mixed race were able to come together and stand for this. So this was this was big for our league and for what, you know, it shows that we all see a problem that needs to be improved. Oh, definitely. I think um, well, what you said, even Ryan Reeves, mentioned that at the Western Conference um, press conference about how it's a predominantly white sport and very white sport and how all these guys come out and reached out. I don't know if any of our listeners had um, have seen any of the pictures of that press conference. All those players volunteered to be there and they were shoulder to shoulder like they couldn't fit in the frame. And I know, you know thank God they're in the bubble with COVID, but it was incredible to see just the players united like that. Um, uh, it was very Pierre, powerful, you know. Very yeah, powerful. like very powerful. Pierre LeBrun, even I think, believe it was Pierre LeBrun, tweeted out that um, Matt Dumba and Evander Kane had messages from over a hundred plus players reaching out. Like they they didn't press the HDA onto them. They all reached out. They wanted to learn more. They wanted to know if boycotting the games or sorry, not boycotting, that's an incorrect term, protesting the games would be um, enough of what it would accomplish. And, uh, you know, the players really came together. They stood united. And I think it was just great to see that, you know, even in the playoffs when rivalries are at their highest, that their most intense players were still, we saw the human side of players and they rallied for a good cause. And I think a great message was displayed this week. Yeah, you know, there's um, – I, I, I personally believe it was beautiful. I lived in a, a melting pot community, you know. Um, so, you know, we we saw things like that growing up, but we had grown up together, you know. So it was really more of the outside perspective that didn't agree with our choice of friends and what we considered family members down here. And, um, I mean, it, it's just good to see that our – little hockey community is, is able to, you know, accept, you know, accept that things need to change. And, you know, Matt Dumba made a really good point a couple, what, maybe a month back. And Ryan Reeves just extended that further, you know, even Evander Kane. But, you know, <laughs> I was talking to some of the guys from, um, I can, uh, forgot what they call their podcast. It's like a play on of ours, maybe not a play on of ours, but it sounds the same, but it's like, uh, Oh, nice. Vegas Nightly. Yeah, Vegas. That's it. Vegas Nightly. Um, those hacks stealing our <laughs> fucking name. Oh, man. Uh, I love those guys. Though. They're hilarious. But um, they were saying, like, uh, Vegas Twitter was, like, going absolutely insane, saying that they were burning their, their fucking merch and throwing it away, all because Ryan Reeves took a stand and, and stood up for what was right. And, you know, there's going to be fucking people like that. There, there might be people listening to this, you know, and never want to listen to us again and, you know, I'm sorry, dude. I'm sorry that you can't look past, you know, your own ego and see that like we're all human and we all deserve the same fucking rights. Just go away. <laughs> Just go be bitter. Go watch NASCAR. Go watch, you know, some fucking something else, you know. Um, but I mean, it's it's time. It's time for a change, dude. You know, evolution exists. So, you know, why can't evolution of the mind and, and evolution of, of understanding and, and acceptance be a part of this next chapter, 
So yeah, you know, if, if, if you if, if you can't get out of this this you know old old history mindset, you just fucking just fizzle up, fucking just fade away, bud. You're not wanted. Yeah, definitely. I think it was a big step too, and it was player driven. I think the players really wanted to express that, and I think we should express that too. The NHL. Yeah, it, it, often ha- it been had. It had yeah. yeah, it very late, but it has to be player driven because the leagues would not have accepted this. The NBA wouldn't have accepted this if the players did not stand up and unify together. Then you'd see a Colin Kaepernick thing where one man takes the blame. Instead, you had a whole league revolutionized basically and just be like, no, not today. You know, like I, I can't go out here and pretend like my mind is on the game. I can't give 100% of my game when 100% of my mind is worried about us falling back into this bullshit, you know. So, sadly, you know, it is what it is. But, you know, just like this this episode that you guys are going to listen to on Monday – you know, we had to take a break. You know, we had to bring up what was right because until this shit starts to have a change, then there will constantly be reminders like this. There will constantly be walkouts, you know, until these injustices are fucking brought, you know, brought to the head and and dealt with properly. Yeah. I think, I don't think I could say that (laughs) better. I don't think I would do any more justice to that. Um, it's just been a tough week, bud. Like yeah. you and me, fucking the world, you know. Uh, we've all just been dealing with a lot, you know. And, th- and there's stuff way beyond North America that we don't hear enough about, you know, that's going on. I don't know anything about it, you know. But there, there's things just all over the world that just need to change. And, you know, it's the little guy, you know. They have to come together, all of them, to make a difference. And, and that's just how it has to be. It shouldn't be, but it, but it is, you know. But and yeah, you say there's stuff all over the world, but right now we're dealing with something that's a little more closer to home for mm-hmm. you. That would be Hurricane Laura. And uh, before I'm obviously I'm gonna hand it over to you because obviously I think you can speak much better on this than I can. But um, before you start talking about, it, I just wanna just wanna say that um. We are launching, we've hinted before, a merch store, and um, we're going to have Habs Nightly merch, and it's going to be awesome. And um, before Laura hit, you know, I reached out, and we, we talked, because you were explaining to me about the damage, and we decided, both of us decided that um, for the first period of time, we haven't set a period of time, but we'll, we'll probably talk about it after, later, and then put it on Twitter when this episode comes out. Um, 80% of whatever we make from this merch is going to go to relief efforts for Laura because, you know, it wasn't as damaging as they thought it was going to be, but there's something like almost $500 million in damages. Um, I think it's only one third of homes in the area that were destroyed have flooding coverage. Only about 20% of homes are covered. It just, by other issues like if people are suffering from this so we want to do whatever we can to help so 80 percent of whatever you buy whatever we make from our merch which you know it might not be a lot but we want to put it we want to do what we can at Habs Nightly to help so we are going to be sending that to Lake Charles um I think Orange County, Texas or whatever, you can talk more, but those areas affected, we want to help and that this is our way of helping. Yeah, man. Um, You know, I guess before I even go into it, you know, um, you know, I had the thought of wanting to do something like this. You know, I've always wanted to reach out and help my aunt, you know, give a helping hand as I could, you know, normally it's people helping us. Um, But I'm finally at a platform where I can help others. You know, this is kind of what I've always wanted to do. Um, I wanted it to be more of helping hockey, you know, but like this is, this hits home for me, you know, and, um, you know, to have a fucking 18 year old co-host just reach out to me over the night and, and explain that he wanted to do this, dude, like fucking, I shed a fucking tear, you know, like I cried a little bit, like Mason's just a really humble fucking guy, you know, and I'm blessed to fucking know this guy and he's got, he's got his fucking Southern ticket, you know, he's always welcome down here. Um, like I told him, I was like, he's invited to the cookout. You know, he doesn't have to eat 
just you know vegetarian shit i'll cook them so <laughs> cook them whatever you fucking want make it happen <laughs> um but yeah man so so just so you guys can get an understanding you know like um i'm getting fucking teary-eyed right now you know so like yesterday was the 28th and that was the 15 year anniversary of fucking hurricane katrina and i'm 28 you know so like that's almost half my life ago but like i lost everything you know i i said it in my twitter you know uh, i have divorced parents so you know before before katrina it was like almost like a, an extra vacation when when the hurricane season came around you know you'd get like a decade once a decade you'd get like a terrible storm but we hadn't reached ours, you know, so it was basically like you'd go back to school and you'd fucking hate it because you were just so used to summer. Um, and then all of a sudden, you know, you'd have like a two month period where you could have up to three to a whole week off, you know, just just because of storm preparation, you know, just just hunkering down in your house, which is more or less your grandparents and your parents and your uncles and shit all in one house. Just fucking chilling you know, watching television until the power went out, but everyone has a generator down here. You know, they tell stories of like old hurricanes in the past, like uh, 92's Andrew and I think it was like 65's um, or uh, I don't give a fuck what the name was, but, uh, but <laughs> anyway, um, you know, so we didn't take it serious. You know, no one down here did. Um, it had grown to be a category three, I believe it kept getting bigger. And then like that Saturday before it hit, I remember, you know, they had just, uh, they had made their final release and it was just like, you have to evacuate. And just so you guys understand, like, you know, my area might be better off than, than Lake Charles. And I don't mean like, you know, value of life or, or anything like that, but like the average income of Lake Charles is like $20,000. Right. So a lot of people that don't know anything about living down here, always say why the fuck do you live down here in the path of such storms why don't you fucking move well first off you know like just look at look at the people of of lake charles in that area and, and port sulfur you know if twenty thousand dollars is your is your base is your base income you know for the year you can't you can't move anywhere else you can't evacuate you're stuck you know you, you're hoping that they did what they did in Katrina where they just had buses and you can just flee on a bus. That's why so many people are just dispersed throughout the U S there's people in Baltimore, there's people in fucking Atlanta all over just because they could not get back home. They, they left on a bus and couldn't make it home, you know, and that's where they live now. But anyway, you know, um, so fucking 15 years ago, I had to make a choice where it was, if I, I go with my mom, I go to our, you know, um, Tennessee cabin, or I go with my dad and we go to Texas, which is where I normally went and go to Texas because we'd go stay at my aunt's house, a um, little bit of hockey around there, you know, so I could watch, you know, I can, I can go outside and play with some puck with the kids around the neighborhood. Um, but they, they had like a three story house and shit. So it was, it was just a little bit more suitable. I did love Tennessee, but you got to think as, as a kid for me, you know, you didn't, you didn't think it was going to be the end of the world. I knew I was going back to Tennessee in the summer and, and the winter. So it was a chance for me to go to Texas. You know, it was, a, it was a quick vacation. That shit changed, and I got fucking stuck in Texas for like, I think two, three months. Um, I would could only contact my mom once every two weeks. We couldn't afford it. You know, it was miserable just hearing my mom cry all day. You know, when I was on the phone with her, she couldn't. She was just so so sad, you know, just lost without her child. And, you know, all I could do was just pretend like everything was all right and that I was okay over there. I was not, you know, like I went to a fucking school with nothing but rich kids and they, you know, teased the six, you know, refugees that basically what we were that were there. You know, they just teased the fuck out of us. I got in fights a lot. Um, I was the fattest fucking kid in school. <laughs> so I got picked on a lot and shit, you know, um, it was fucking miserable, you know, and, you know, to get on to Laura, Laura was already at a category four, you know, before this shit even hit. We saw what Hurricane Katrina did. There's no more looking back. You can't hide that anymore. 
every storm, it doesn't matter if it's a tropical depression, sounds like the end of fucking days, to the point to where you're watching the storm come in and you're praying to God that it hits someone else and not your area. Because you know that Louisiana, if, if Louisiana got hit, I'm sorry, if the Greater New Orleans area got hit by Laura, it would be Hurricane Katrina all over again. It might not have affected, you know, people have downscaled it, its destruction. We would not have survived that shit again. We don't have the fucking, the, the water pumps down here could not have handled it. We can't handle a summer rain season. We would not have been able to do this. They would have had to do what they did last time and flood other areas to save New Orleans, which would have been us once again. And I can't rebuild again. I'd have to fucking move somewhere else. I, I couldn't redo this again. It's too late for me to fucking withstand it. But so Hurricane Laura was a, tr- a category four, um, you know, which is which is winds with like 150, I believe, at seven miles per hour less than the category five, which is the ultimate fucking storm. Um, I mean, it was the strongest storm to hit. Louisiana since 1856 that's what it was planning to be now you know it wasn't as destructive which is hard to say because it fucking was because people don't take into consideration like the livestock because like a lot of these places are very rural you know they're they're not cities and shit like that so you got to think like you got these animals caged in and shit you got to either let them go wild and hope you can get them back or you just fucking just let them die and, and that's, that's the main thing that ends up happening is that these poor fucking animals that are just trapped, they can't go anywhere. They're caged and they just get fucking killed. Um, you know, so like they, they say that because the property damage wasn't as bad, but, you know, like the loss of life, there's only 16 humans that they have, uh, as the death toll updated today. Um, but like the loss of like livestock and shit like that is outrageous. You know, like their homes are destroyed, like the local, um, you know, forests, all of the living creatures in that area are without a home once again. Um, the winds got up to like 137. Um, I mean, some states got like, I think the, the storm surge was like nine feet uh, and dropped about 10. I think it was like a foot, a foot of rain in, in a lot of areas. Um, so it wasn't as damaging as you think. But then you know, like you read this on the paper, and it doesn't sound that bad. And then, like, I look at some of my friends. I got a boy TK that I went to school with in UL, and by I went to school with man, I just went out there and partied with him because I couldn't, I didn't have the grades to get up there. Um, shout out to math scores. Uh, TK's family's house out in Port Sulphur is fucking destroyed. They had a two-story house, and like, the whole second story is just like gone. It's fucking gone. It's like the house he grew up in. Just like me, it's gone again. They got to rebuild it if they if they choose to, you know. If they, I know that they were a richer family, so they probably had flood insurance. Flood insurance is not something that comes cheap down here anymore. Uh, even during Katrina, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't the cheapest thing in the world. Um, you know, so my my in laws live upstate Louisiana, and um, it curved towards them. They got hit pretty hard. But uh, as of Friday evening, in just Louisiana, there's 485,000 people without power. In eastern Texas, there's 100,000 people without power. And in Arkansas, there's 26,000 people without power. That can go to the end of this week coming up, or it can go on as long as three weeks without power. You know, my in-laws are one of those people. My, My friend TK, he's one of those people. And, you know, I don't know Craig... Uh, I don't know Craig really from uh, the Rippin' Biscuits, um, but I know he had to evacuate his home. I know he had a lot of dogs and shit, and I hope he's doing all right. Um, like I said, you know, I, I don't really know the guy, but that hits home. You know, like uh, when you have to evacuate, you you just feel like you're not coming back to anything. You know, you just feel like you're going to lose everything once again. Someone who's been through it it's PTSD, you know, like I haven't been to war, but like this season does not bring any happy memories. Like I can't, you know, sleep at night sometimes, 
when we get in this season because I don't know if, if everything I've worked hard to gain, you know, in this world is going to be taken again. And I know that that shit's like a luxury, but, you know, it's like you work so hard to get everything. You know, like I watched my mom cry. I watched my grand, my Mimi fucking cry because their house that they worked so hard to fucking pay off was just in ruins. You know, where, where you start from there, that's the problem is people don't, that don't live here, don't take it serious. They just tell you to move somewhere and you can't, you know, and, you know, you, you don't see these, these old people knowing that they're getting, you know, they're on the, you know, the, the closer side of death. You know, what, what do you do? You know, you don't, that goes your, your, your easy life that you, you worked your ass off to get. That's gone. You know, you can't do anything about it. Just sit in a fucking FEMA trailer again. Um, I don't know. I'm, I've had enough talking about it, but, uh, you know, uh, I really love Mason. He really stepped up as a human in my eyes, you know, and I really hope that I don't give a fuck if it's $10, if those $10 can make it to a foundation that can help any way that we can, you know, um, I'm happy that I have a, a place to reach out and do something like this. And it just means so much to me. And I fucking, he's on the Christmas list now. <laughs> like, I don't know what else to say. Uh, but man, thank you so much for giving me a chance to talk about it, you know, and, and just being a fucking great kid. Your parents raised a great kid. Hey, um, no, I appreciate it, buddy. Um, I thought it best, best to kind of just let you talk there. Um, I think you did it justice way, way better than I ever could. You've lived through it and I can't even imagine what you're going through, what yeah. the people down there are going through. But like you said, if it's, if it's ten dollars, if it's you know two cents, whatever we can do, you know I want to do. Um, we haven't um, we haven't really looked at our merch store, like what the pricing for stuff will be yet. We we're planning on doing that after we record, but um, I think um, and we'll clarify this later through Twitter, so any form of social media. Um, I think we uh, we should look into um, having something small whether that's a teacup, whether that's a lanyard or something, just a hundred percent goes straight to. So if you just want to donate straight to um, hurricane relief for these people, I think we should, we could definitely look into that. And um, I think we should do, that's something we should do if we can. I'm not sure. So I don't want to make that promise yet, but um, I think that's something we'll look into and discuss after we record this. Um, Hey man, um, <laughs> I fucking love you, buddy. And uh, hearing you talk about that, like, you know, it really hit me. You're saying how you had a tear in your eye. You're bringing me to the tears talking about that. And uh, you know, I, I'll uh, I'll do you one better. Um, after this, uh, you can direct me to whatever fucking charity, Red Cross, whatever it is, and I'll give you a hundred right out of my bank, straight to Jesus. Hurricane Laura. <laughs> You know, I I can't imagine what these people are going through. So, you know, we're talking about raising $10, raising two cents. I'll start us off. $100 Canadian. We'll put that right towards Laura. And, uh, you know, we halves nightly can, we can try and make a difference. What a guy. What a fucking guy. Uh, you Canadians, dude, just keep going above and beyond. <laughs> Showing how fucking nice y'all are. <laughs> No man. Oh man. I think um I think it's going towards a good cause. These people, you know, they need help. And uh where would uh you know Canada, the US, you know, we've been bickering lately, but that's what siblings do. You're like our uh you're we're sister countries basically. I would I would that's how I describe it. We're we're very close and uh you know, it wouldn't matter where these people were. I think everyone's humans, like we were saying at the start, with just the hockey diversity thing. So um, it's important to help each other out. So I don't really see it as doing much, but um, it's doing something. So it's like um, that counts, bud. Exactly, and I can't do it justice the way Corey can, but I can. You know, one last time, say to you guys, if we could please check out our merch store. Um, 
any, we'll probably, I'll tweet out a link if you want to donate straight to the Red Cross um, or whatever foundation, like I said, I'm, I personally don't know the foundations down there. Um, I wasn't able to do that research beforehand, so I apologize for that, but we'll, we'll tweet it out on Twitter at Habs Nightly and uh, Corey will probably do the same at Bayou Benders. And uh, if you want to donate straight to some form of charitable organization, we can do that. You can go to our merch store. We'll uh, donate some, most of the proceeds to funding Hurricane Laura Relief. And, you know, hopefully um, we can make a difference. You know, it might not be small. It might not be big. It might be small. But even if we're um, affecting one person's life, you know, that's that's enough. And these people, they're going to need all the help we, they can get. And, um you know, I don't think this is something we'll leave to one episode. I think uh, this is something that's going to affect them for a long time. And, you know, Corey, it's it's your home. We've talked, you know, we had plans of um, doing kind of a hockey initiative in Louisiana. We wanted to um, start funding some, I can't remember exactly, we we're going to sell um, hockey pucks. Um, hockey puck art. I'm trying to remember, you pitched it to me and it's slipping my mind right now. It was what? like a you're gonna build the all oh, out of sh- uh, shafts of oh oh the uh yeah so you know we we're gonna uh shout out to hockey trolls you know still trying to make it work um but we're gonna build some um some bottle openers out of uh pre-used sticks thanks to hockey trolls i'm sure he used them quite well scored many goals with them um because that's why they're, you know, chipped up and sent to me in a box. That's how, you know, that's how, <laughs> that's how well they were used. But, uh, no. Uh, yeah, we're going to do something like that. It's going to be try to promote um, just hockey in general. But, uh, you know, my, my main problem with that is is, is finding um, the bottle openers themselves. They need to have, like, a, a tang. I need to create a hidden tang in them. And a lot of them that I'm finding are, are not – something I can make happen. I'm going to end up having to get the credit card once and cut them uh, by hand, which is if, if that's how it has to be done, it has, it, that's how it is. You know, uh, I promise hockey trolls that I'd send them the best one I can make. So that's got to come soon. You know, I was hoping to yeah. do that while this, this, you know, the start of Corona happened when we all had a lot more free time, but you know, just cause I had free time didn't mean the fucking salesman of bottle, bottle openers uh, had it, you know? So, yeah. And but I just the reason I mentioned that is because that is something we're still interested in doing. But when <laughs> you're wondering where you're going to live or if your house is still going to be standing when you get home, hockey is probably the last thing on your mind. So this is our, I think, our utmost of the utmost importance to us right now. And then later on, we can look at something like that. So, yeah, that that's if you have any other closing statement on hurricane Laura to say, we're going to get into some hockey talk after this, I think. But, um, if you have anything else you need to say, Corey, please like, um, just like kind of like I said on Twitter, you know, like you know, in this day and age, there's so much, there's so much racial divide that's being brought to the attention. And it's like hurricane victims, you know, like a hurricane doesn't, doesn't care what species you are on this planet they don't care what race you are they don't care about your demographic how much money you make like if you're in its path you're fucked and you know god bless god bless you if you have the money to fucking fix it you know because most of the people that get hit by these things don't you know like texas seems to spring back pretty quickly they have a better economy than louisiana you know but for us dude it's it's like one bad storm and you could find yourself dead you know if not you're picking up set you're salvaging you know your memories again you know i don't have anything from my childhood anymore you know i got like a, a tech deck you know like i lost all my art all my my art that like really like you know pushed me to be better and you know i went to school for it and shit like it's all gone i lost all my fucking toys you know like anything from my childhood is really gone all my all my previous hockey stuff it's, it's ruined you know thrown thrown out you know you don't realize how how much of an impact your your things that you don't consider a necessity become when you don't have them anymore you know so you know a lot of people don't understand what that's like and the people that do you know like you know thank you for not 
<laughs> being so fucking rude to us. You know, when you when you yeah. when when there's people just telling us to get the fuck out of the way of storms, move. There's no moving for a lot of us. There's, there's not a lot of hope. There's not a lot of opportunity to do that. You know, everybody says it's so it's so cheap to live down here. Yeah, that's like if you move out of state, if you're moving into our state, you say that. For us, this is, you know, this is a struggle still. That's why you can't move out of state because everything else is so much more fucking expensive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's my piece on it. You know, just I appreciate you guys listening. <laughs> if you turned it off, I can't I can't stop that. But if you if you did listen, thank you so much. You know, this was a this was a hard fucking week. You know, just to sit at work and and not know. You know, last minute turns, you know, these things turn at the last minute, and destroy lives, you know. So thank you all. Thank you all for listening. Thank my host for being fucking an amazing young man. You know, thank his parents for raising, for raising him. <laughs> you know, thank his um, friends for not letting him be such a shit, I guess. I don't know. I was raised by my friends a little bit. <laughs> like, so <laughs> no, I'm sure man. it goes into them too. But uh, yeah, um, thank I'm you all. Just- I'm just a dumbass out here talking about hockey too, man. <laughs> and yeah, uh, sure. on on that note, we do have a little bit of hockey to talk about. And um, we kind of scraped together some, you know, some notes and shakes. You know, our main, our main thing was Matthias Norlander, and we were pretty fucking excited to talk about that with the week he had. I fucking called it, Corey. <laughs> I said this kid was going to be awesome, and he scored a fucking hat trick. In his debut game, Champions League Hockey, or Champions Hockey League, whatever the fuck it is in Europe. That's why uh, yeah, that's why we were, we were leading on Man <laughs> Rush to make it sound right, because I don't, I don't know what this shit means over there. Yeah, but um, regardless... We did get some interesting quotes from Kakanyemi. He would, he did an interview, and um, he just said that uh, they were talking about Nick Suzuki and like what's going on. Kakanyemi said, uh, "Mark trusts us, and I would also like to play with Nick for a very long time. He always finds ways to create when he finds himself on the ice. It's nice to watch him play, and I love spending time with him." So, seems like nothing but respect from Kakanyemi to Suzuki, which I think is warranted. But um, the fact that our two star players seem to get it, like obviously they're professionals and they have to say that. But um, if you actually watch it, KK seems genuine. He's like, yeah, like I love playing with the guy. He He's really good. I can learn from him. And they seem to have that mutual respect, which just gives me fucking shivers of like joy thinking about the future when we have two number one centermen leading our team, Sidney Crosby of Denny Malkin South to the fucking Stanley Cup. Like, KK is going to be so goddamn good. And he went on to further elaborate. Um, there's been some controversy with Philip Deneau. Um, I don't know if we actually talked about that, Corey. I don't think we did, actually, last episode. Um, so Philip Deneau was uh, quoted saying, like, just essentially, I'm not. this isn't the quote, I'm just summing it up, going, uh, Oh, I've I've earned my spot. I expect to play the same ice time. I've proven what I can do. When talking about maybe a reduced role next year due to Suzuki and KK, which I think a lot of people perceived as kind of like douchey and like, come on, man, like you've got to make way. But I I don't personally see any issue with this. I think Philip Deneau is at the end of the day a pro athlete who is ultra competitive. That's how he became a pro athlete. He recognizes his ability. I think Philip Deneau fully believes that he is a Selkie, should should have won the Selkie this year, just the way his attitude has been, the way he's been playing. I think he thinks he was a Selkie snub, as he should. Um, and at the end of the day, like I said, he's a pro athlete. He's He's got to fucking believe in himself. And he's proven himself. I don't have any issue with him saying this. No, not at all. And, you know, I, I you can understand where, like, people would say that it might come off, like, ill-mannered you know like douchey as you said um you know this is this is a he's playing for his role every day you know like you play for your spot on a team every day you're on the ice and um he put his money in for this team and i think it really speaks volumes because you have two brand new sentiment coming in you got max domi you know who's definitely better 
at a center position than he is on the wing. Um, and then you got Philip Deneau. And then I think that what he said speaks more volumes when you think about it in this sense. This is a team that has just proved that they're not the bottom, you know, the what is it, the bottom fucking, you know, half of half of the league anymore. This is a team that can that can be committed. This is a team on the rise. And he's just further stating that his play is going to be just what you expected this season, what you saw is what you're going to get. And he he thinks that he's earned his his time, his play on the ice. And, you know, he doesn't want to give that up. Dude, all that means to me is that I'm if he didn't get the selfie, and I'm not saying that he's like, if I didn't get the fucking selfie, then fuck it. I think that it just shows that like this dude's like want to win, want to fucking produce, want to be that, you know, that key cog on a team on this team is is astronomical. You know, like he wants to he wants to be a part of this team. He wants to be that leading figure that he was this year. Um, Selkie finalist or not, this is what we're going to get out of him. And now that this team is being recognized as a force and they have people that can easily move him down the, you know, down the list as they grow, he's saying it's not going to happen. You know, he's saying he wants his time. He, he says that, you know, and I don't think it's like, I want my time because I've done it. No, I think he's trying to say that, like, you're, we're going to get the same thing that we saw. And that's why I, I believe – I'm, I want the same amount of ice time you know, because I'm not, I'm not taking a seat to, to, to the, the younger guys. I'm going to do exactly what I did this season, you know, I just think with if a better anything, team. Yeah, I think if anything, he's going to come out even fucking harder next year, right. stronger, faster, more effort, because Philip Deneau, I will never accuse of taking a backseat. Yeah, I think it's just not in his nature. It's not his play style. But – Coming into this season, there was no question. Some might have said Max Tomey, but eh, you're you're wrong. I think Philip Deneau knew it pretty damn well. I think most Habs insiders knew it pretty well. Philip Deneau was our number one center, regardless, no matter what. He, he was going to be our number one center this year. It was happening. Um, I think in the back of the mind, his knew that. And he still performed at a Selkie. Like we said, he's a Selkie snub. Selkie, at least the nomination, he's a snub. Um, he performed that season. Well, now that he's on, for lack of a better term, not the hot seat, but he's got two young bucks nipping at his heels. He's, he was the, you know, he was the big buck. He got, he was there. He had the biggest fucking rack antlers, you know. He was unquestionably the biggest, the baddest in the herd, and now he's got two young, two young bucks chasing at his heels. They they want his spot. They want to be the leaders of this team. Well, Philip Deneau, I think, is just proving that I'm not going to bend over for you guys. I'm not going to step aside. Nah, you got to knock me off this spot. You got to kick my ass down to the third line because I'm not moving for you. And I think if anything. Habs fans should be applauding this. You know, that's how you build a competitive team because if you're competitive, but all the best sports teams I've been a part of, and I'm not saying this to toot my own horn. I've, I've played some pretty high level soccer in my life. I've traveled all over Ontario. I've been to the U S for tournaments. We played on a team that went, came second in an international tournament with against teams from, England, Scotland, you know, Europe, like it was, it's a big international tournament in New York. And that team was not only competitive on the field, but competitive in the locker room practice. We went fucking one ten percent because you didn't want the guy behind you taking your starting spot. And I think it's the same for any sports team. And I think it's the same for the Habs. I think if guys next year, cause it's not just the center position are worried about, where they're going to be on the depth chart, they're just going to produce that extra little more effort and it's going to pay dividends on the ice. Yeah, dude. Um, you know, they're, this is a team that's going to be competitive against their, our opponents, but it's, it's now becoming the hot seat. The center, the center, you know, the center position is going to be our most watched, most competitive, you know, you know, in team analysis. Um, truthfully, I believe, that I would put uh, Deneau followed by Suzuki, <laughs> sadly, followed by Kotkaniemi, then Domi. 
Um, it's crazy to put it that way. Um, I think you'll see like a little bit of mix and match, but um, I think that of all of all four, I have to know up front, um, and I could see them trying to play a mix of Domi and Suzuki. And I hate I, it's getting to a point where I hate it. I hate putting any of these four guys anything below a second. You know, uh, yeah. I think that I think I think that Kotkaniemi and Domi work better on a three, just because they're they're <laughs> they use the body. They 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 can be a, a great checking line, and I, I you can kind of see that like Nick Suzuki and Dano are more of a finesse, more of a, a defense oriented. Not not as I mean we did see checking, you know, but like it's more of like you know knocking down pucks. It's more of of, of helping the defense, you know, pinch and you know what have you. What were you gonna say? I was just gonna say you talk about. Kakanami, you just mentioned checking. Um, Kakanami averaged 15.6 hits in the playoffs per 60 minutes this um, these past playoffs. You know what I'm talking about? Ben Sherratt was second with 10.2 on the Montreal Canadiens. Man, uh, let's say it's seven episodes, eight episodes back when we were like, what do you expect from Kakanami? Is, yeah. is a kid who's just like, I don't want to hear the word Laval. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. like I'm here to fucking make make a point and if this if he doesn't forget how i wouldn't say miserable but how much he was you know it's like it's like you and everyone in your grade is your best friend and then you're fucking mess up somewhere and you're in remedial classes while your boys are going on ahead of you and you're watching them do that shit and you're just sitting in the back wishing that you can just make up for what you weren't able to do to get back with them it's like that's exactly what he experienced he came out and showed, showed that he was had the skill and was ready to be back with us. You know, that's why we saw such an improvement, such a intense form of battling out there. I just hope he never fucking forgets it because he plays exciting hockey. What he's like that. Yeah, for sure. I just think that um, another case for Deneau is that they're one of the top five, if not the top analytic lines in the nhl like just their advanced analytics are insane Mm -hmm. they like analytics are not everything but when they're that good you can't you can't justify splitting up that line and i understand they didn't do much in the playoffs but in the regular season they're one of the they are arguably one of the best lines in the nhl and we weren't having a good fucking season like Mm -hmm. this was imagine that was a low average team like just fucking Looking like okay, well, we have one good fucking line that I, I don't know much about Dominant. analytics, but yeah, they were fucking, they were hot. You know, they were. I don't know. I'm not a fucking. I'm like I'm like Biz. I don't know shit about analytics. That's why we had fucking ice <laughs> analytics on, and I just took a backseat because I was like, yeah, that that word that yep, that's it. That sounds smart. Yes. <laughs> yeah. No. That, um, that Corsi guy. On five. Mm-hmm. Like, five on five. They are arguably the best team not team sorry line in the nhl five on five they're absolutely ridiculous but i almost feel like we mentioned domi domi removed all his montreal any trace of montreal from all his social media then re-added it because everyone was panicking i think that's a free agent move or not yeah, free agent, it's, RFA move. It's, <laughs> like, yeah it's an rfa move you saw it happen with johnny gaudreau and people are losing their goddamn mind I mean, it's just an RFA tactic. It's nothing. This kid, like, first off, like, if anything does happen, it's Mark Bergevin. It's his move to make, and he's going to make an incredible move with it. Max Domi. Domi might be gone. Yeah. And if (laughs) if he's gone, dude, I can't even fathom what we'll get because I don't see Bergevin making, like, he's already made his worst, you know, trades. So whatever we would get in turn, I would hate to see him go. But I know that we would get something that would improve the team. I would say we'd be selling low right now, though. Very, very much so. Um, but I do think that you have to look for the future of this team because the Habs said, Domi, we see him as a center. Mm-hmm. Well, you, you're kind of log jammed. For the first time in forever, Montreal has this issue. But, like, you can't – I just think Mark Bergeron's in a, in a great situation but an incredibly – difficult one because you can't justify getting rid of Dino. No. Over for Domi, the way Domi's played in the playoffs and this past year. You just can't. 
because Deneau has proven to be one of the best defensive forwards in the NHL and a very capable top-line center. I know he's not a champion. You're not going to win a championship with Philip Deneau as your top line. As your second line center, I think you could. And then, what do you like? Nick Suzuki and KK, you can't move them. So what you got to move one of those guys? Like, what do you do? I just think Domi had a fucking second year sillies this year. Like, it, I mean, it's like amazing. Your first year, the team kind of makes some moves around, and you know that that same chemistry's lost for a bit. You know, but they regained it. You know. So what he he didn't come out like he did his fucking first year where I was with like twenty eight goals you know like I think he's points. yeah I think he he earned his fucking place on this team I think there is a place for him in, in this team even if dare I say it we move someone like, like fucking Jonathan Drouin and put him on the fucking left wing I don't care I think he's got a spot uh, and I know a lot of people are fucking mad and saying like oh he wasn't shit in the playoffs like. I mean, he wasn't there for a lot of it. You know, he came he got back. Three, three he came points. back. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, like he came back to a team that they already had lines for, and Claude Julian's mm-hmm. like, "Yeah, man, appreciate you being back. You know, we really need you on this team." But while you were gone, we've we've made some connections, and these lines are working with us right now. So this dude was the odd man out. You know, so I think and he's, you're he's saying this as an advocate of hashtag free Domi. Yeah, absolutely. Like we all <laughs> like, wanted to see. Yeah, there, there was no hashtag free Domi without love of Max Domi. Like mm-hmm. he's wanted here. We just need to find where he goes and we can't have another Alex Galchenko. We can't have him moving around. We no. have to find a spot for him where he can fucking, you know, where he can really thrive. And that's where he needs to be locked in at until, you know, until we have the next fucking rising star come up and then we'll have to bring that to attention. But right now I think he deserves a spot on this team. I don't think that his playoff performance was enough to be like, he's got to fucking go. Wherever we can find a spot for him, he needs to be. And he needs to not be a fucking uh, healthy scratch player. You know, he's no fucking uh, Lipsick or Leipzig, whatever the fuck, if he ever plays in the NHL Ugh. again. You know, like, no, he's in the KHL now. Fuck that, dude. Oh. <laughs> but, I mean, dude, like, I'll, I'll be on the Domi train for a very long time. Very fucking long time. I don't give a fuck. Um, it's just so weird. And uh, I like how you put about, you know, having like uh, Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin with these two new, these two new guys. I <laughs> love that they're, I love that they're both centers and you can't have them on the same line. So you can't just have like this one line that is just overly fucking, you know, nourished. Like there's just, just too much power on one line. They have to be separated. Like I love that they're the same. You can't just put them two together, you know? Yeah. I mean, granted you could, but like, no, nah, like they're dominant at center. Like you can't move them. Yeah. Maybe, maybe on a power play, you know, but like, that's it. You just can't oversaturate one line with these two fucking guys. You can't do what Dallas did for, you know, Dallas is doing good right now. I'm not going to show them too much, but what Dallas did for a long time was just Radulov, Sagan, Ben, and then Sagan, Ben, whoever, whatever winger they had, mm-hmm. like overpowered line before Radulov got there, just, and then choke in the playoffs because he gets shut down. Obviously, they're doing well now, but. Yeah, Montreal's going to be in a really good spot. We say it a lot, but uh, we say it a lot because it's true, you know, and the future is only getting brighter. I think um, for the most part, we're probably done for today unless you had anything. I got one more. Ready? Let's just say 20 episodes back. Ilya Kovalchuk leaves, and we're all like, fuck, man. Did great next to Nick Suzuki, right? (laughs) I know where you're going with this. (laughs) And they said this dude still got a spot on this team. He just wanted to chase the cup. If he is available, do we bring him back? Do can we afford to bring him back? And I don't mean money wise because he's only making three five three hundred three hundred thousand dollars, right? So it's not it's not that it's going to hurt the bank. Can we literally have a place for him on this team where he could essentially play on a line? Like, do we have a spot for him anymore? Man, I already had this argument with my dad like two days ago. There we go. Just bringing family bi- rivalries. You like dad on the pod. Like, <laughs> man, he wishes. No, I fucking, I loved Ilya Kovalchuk with Montreal. He had a good run. But it had a by, good run. By the end of the, games, he had six, seven, thirteen. Boy. Yeah, but, like, the last 10 games didn't really do anything. 
Okay, that's true, but we also really didn't do it. <laughs> I mean, yes, but like, okay, I just don't. I'm not against bringing in Ilya Kovalchuk because I think he could provide valuable insight for especially Suzuki and Kakaniemi. I think that could prove invaluable. But I also, I'm looking at our depth in the forward position and like, where is he going to play? Because you've got Brendan Gallagher as a top line right winger. You've got Max Domi, who might switch to the right wing. You've got Arturi Lekkinen, who's a left winger, but, you know, bounces around. You've got Armia on the wing. You've got Tatar. You've got some solid depth. So, at best, Ilya Kovalchuk is on the third line, probably the fourth. And I'm just like, I just don't, I don't, if you want to compete, I don't see it being the greatest move, but I wouldn't be opposed to it. I think but if it has to happen, of, I think it's a fucking amazing depth pickup. Yeah, I was going to say, by the sounds of it, you disagree. <laughs> he's going to be the papa to all the Russian coming in. Like, this You're is thinking gonna... <laughs> Romanov. You're thinking Romanov, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to lie. We need, we, need, we need some type of Russian connection, you know what I'm saying? Like, but no, nah, man. Um, I mean, dude, how can you turn down a contract that's fucking three five? Like not million, like <laughs> you know. Wouldn't it be? I thought it was. It's three hundred veteran minimum fifty thousand. How? That's I'm what it says it. on. Uh, look, hockey reference. I'm referencing hockey reference. Current salary three five zero. That's that's his current. He's free agent, so it'd be like. Oh, okay, so he might make one million. Yeah, one million. I believe. Yeah, give him one two. Welcome aboard, bud. Like I don't know where we're gonna put you, but uh. See, that's my point. Like, where are you <laughs> like, like, sign him? You're like, oh, yeah, where the fuck are you going to play? I don't know. Uh, Carl Olsner will put you in the AHL. Like, uh, <laughs> no, I don't, I don't want, I don't want to go through that again. I've had enough pain. You bring him on for the scary situation that Thomas Tatar might not be here. Mm. Or the, that's, that's another discussion. Or the, or day. the, I can, um, or the Johnny Drew Ann might not be here. Shaved his head. Ooh. He might be moving. Like, <laughs> whoa, you're you're getting into some deep shit. That it's the dark web of of Montreal Canadiens yes. roster talk. Like, <laughs> oh man, I don't know. I'm still I'm still just loving. Can't wait to watch it. I believe tomorrow Dallas. You know, watch our future. You know, goalie tandem uh, pick up. Just can't wait. Can't wait to see what he does. He's like the old uncle of like Post Malone. The old uncle of Post Malone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're talking about. Um... <laughs> okay. <laughs> you do. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that <laughs> will conclude our episode for today. Um, once again, I just want to reach out with, you know, thoughts and prayers are with. Um, people of Lake Charles, people of the surrounding area that have been affected by Hurricane Laura. Um, stay tuned on our Twitter at Habs Nightly at Bayou Benders. That's uh if you don't know how to spell Bayou, it's B A Y O U. That's Bayou and then Benders is pretty simple. Um stay tuned. We'll we'll post what we're doing. Um I think we're not much is gonna stray from what we outlined. Um the merch we'll post links we'll we'll be involved in the community to really try and help um so thank you if you made it this far for listening thank you for taking the time and you know that'll be all from me Corey. you can uh you can take us out bud uh next week we hope to bring y'all more of mateus norlander sorry i was put off a week uh hopefully we can add uh odd man rush in here um we're glad to hear that claude julian is feeling better um, I think it's funny that he said that if we were to win game six, he would have been down to come back to Toronto. I think that just shows how committed he is to helping this team become um, back to its glory. Um, you guys stay safe out there. Remember that not, um, you know, life is not guaranteed in the front of, of any possibility, you know, whether it's storm or whether it's, you know, uh, a terrible accident or whatever, you know, like just, talk to your family, talk to your friends, whatever, whatever you're closest to, you know, let them know that you love them. Let them know that they are loved, shit like that. Um, you guys have a great weekend and we'll talk to y'all soon. Sorry, there's 
not much have to talk about. We should be playing the Islanders right now, but this wasn't the tilt for us. But uh, you guys have a great weekend, and can't wait to talk to you on next time. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network on Twitter at HockeyPodNet. New episodes every Monday and Thursday. Download at the HockeyPodcastNetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from.